This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. What will you choose? No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Real EFL's League 2 Look Back. I am your host Matt and wow, what a weekend of League 2 football it was. I am joined this week by Charlie and Brandon. Guys, how are you? What did you think of this week's action? Uh, Less said about our draw at home to bottom of the league. Well, I was going to kick that off and, and, and start with that one. Uh, no, it's, uh, it, it's certainly been a a week of a couple of upsets. Um, there was some some really interesting games, some really really intriguing results. Some teams, obviously, unbeaten records ended, win records ended just before Stockport could have clinched that record for the fourth tier of English football. But no, really really good week, and I'm happy to be on here dissecting it all again. Well, let's crack straight on with it, with our game of the day. And yes, this was Newport versus Stockport. So, Newport, who had lost four of their last seven games and are slowly heading towards the drop zone, came up against a Stockport side who had won 15 out of their last 16 games with their only defeat coming against Bolton in the EFL Trophy. Now, Stockport, who had, Stockport, sorry, who had not lost uh, in their last three visits to Newport, sacked six points clear at the top of League Two, whilst Newport were just five points above the rele- relegation zone going into the game. And after 90 minutes was played, the final score was Newport 2, Stockport 1. Guys, did you see that result coming? Uh, no, not at all. Um... I think I said last week, Stockport looked like such a well-drilled unit for the league. And we've seen before when they got out of the National League, they can go on those 15, 20 game winning streaks. And with an opportunity like that to go ahead and break the record for consecutive wins in League Two, I'm really shocked they didn't capitalise on it. But all credit mm-hmm. to Newport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a uh, it, it was a great uh, great start by them. Uh, I mean, they 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 really had a go at uh, Stockport yesterday. Uh, Morris scored from uh, I think was it five minutes in uh, before uh, sorry though uh, five minutes into added time uh, at half time. Um, it was a great strike from the edge of the box. Nothing the goalkeeper could do. 
Um, I mean, Charlie, could, look, I've got to ask you the same question. Did you see this result coming or was it a bit of a shock to you? No, look, I don't, I don't think anybody necessarily saw the result coming. Um, for, for those who maybe like to put a football acker on on a Saturday, I don't really think anybody was necessarily putting Newport in their acker. But look, what's, what's most important for Stockport now is that they don't let this one loss suddenly jeopardise the great one that they've been on. Because, uh, you know, they, they've run the risk. We, we've spoken before how much of a well-oiled machine they are. And we've all been really, really impressed with their style of play and the way they're really able to grind out results this year. But if they then let this one loss suddenly have, have this kind of dip in momentum and they suddenly go on a little bit of a losing streak or even just a, a few games where they're just dropping points silly here and there, um, it could really ruin their season. So they need to make sure that they're back on the win uh, midweek to then be able to try and just pick up more points over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not like, as was say, it's not like, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to say Stockport lost the game yesterday. It definitely felt like Newport actually went and won the game yesterday, which was, uh, you know, which was really good. They had two very good goals. I mean, the second goal was a cracking strike from the corner of the box. Um, uh, McCocklin, I think it was, um, uh, scored. Uh, and then, look, I mean, to be fair, yes, Stockport were pushing forward and trying hard to get a goal, but the Newport defence stood strong and, and you know, I really do feel that there is there's something there with this Newport team. Um, you know, it's a bit of a slow start, but but there is something there. And beating the league lead, league leaders is no uh, mean task, is it, Brandon? Oh no, not at all. Well, I listened to Graham Cuffland's interview, and a lot of what he said going on to you saying about a slow start. He was saying that about ninety percent of the games have been good performances, and they you know they came into hosting top of the league on such a run they've been on. You know, it, it looked like quite a high mountain to climb, but what a way to boost your confidence when you've been without a win since mid-October. But he pushed saying he was very disappointed that they were to concede like that at the end. And a lot of what he said was, I'll be happy when we, you know, show that consistency. And I think with Morecambe, Tranmere and Grimsby coming up, I think that's a some real opportunities for Newport to set a mark down and find some consistency. Absolutely. And there was a definitely, a, I would say it was more of a consolation goal there for Stockport who uh, scored obviously with uh, Oli Affi in the uh, 95th minute, but I'm going to move over to some questions. So Charlie, look, I'm going to throw this one over to you for the first one. Do you think this could potentially be the kickstart that Newport need to, you know, start moving up this league? It, it certainly can be, um, you know, let, let's not, to discount their, their run of games that they're coming up to. You know, Brandon's already very much sort of spoke about some of the, the games that they've got coming up. I mean, all you have to do is look into midweek and bear in mind they're playing Morecambe. Okay, yes, away from home. But they're winnable games that they've got coming up. If they can replicate what they did on Saturday, because like you say, actually, as much as you can turn around and say that obviously this was a bit of a shock of the weekend, stop what losing and all of this, Newport do definitely deserve a lot of credit. They were able to be really resolute in defence. Uh, yes, OK, Stockport managed to get a few chances off, but they still managed to really keep them at bay quite often and go forward and create some solid chances themselves. If they're able to replicate that over the next few game weeks, fantastic. They'll only find themselves climbing up the table because there are other teams in and around that kind of bottom six to bottom eight where you struggle to see them consistently going on a, on a run of good form. So... If Newport can, they could probably find themselves within 
you know, that kind of 12th place mark in the league within a few games, suddenly nobody's looking over their shoulder. Yeah, absolutely true. You know, they they, they could get, say, get a good couple of runs uh, runs and games going, get a couple of good results, and yeah, start moving up the league. Uh, Brandon, um, I'm going to throw this one over to you then. So, uh, look, Isaac Oliafi have been absolutely brilliant for Stockport uh, this season, but can they keep him in January? Well, I said a few weeks ago back on the podcast that I think Oliafe is probably your most ideal League Two forward. He's an absolute unit. He can play with his back to the goal. He has that turn of pace on a defender. And to top it all off, he can finish. He can speak, you know, he can put his money where his mouth is. And I think there certainly should be interest. He's a young lad. I think he's definitely an asset for a top-end League One side. But on the other end, I can't see a reason to leave Stockport mid-season when... You know, they've got promotion in their minds and he's on a long-term deal. So I also can't see a reason for Stockport to sell, despite the fact that there will obviously be interest for such a good talent. Absolutely. I mean, well, all I will say is money does talk in football. And if somebody comes in with a high enough bid and willing to prize him away, then then fair play to him because, you know, as you said, he is some talent and could definitely, definitely play higher up. But after that 2-1 win from Newport, that leaves them in 16th place while Stockport currently still t- uh, sit top of the tree at first place. Moving on to our next game now, this was Wrexham versus Morecambe. Now, Wrexham, whose defeat to Accrington last weekend was their first in 12 games, came up against managerless Morecambe. Uh, now, they've lost three of their last five games and also have lost Derek Adams earlier this week. Wrexham have won their previous two out of their three games against Morecambe, scoring eight goals in the process. And Wrexham are aiming to go back to into the top three with a win, whereas Morecambe were aiming to go back into the top seven with victory. And it was expected to be a very, very tight game. And the final score was, <clears throat> let me just clear my throat when I say this, Wrexham 6, Morecambe nil. Brandon, you were on this one, weren't you? Yeah, so going into the game, Wrexham were obviously looking to put pressure on Stockport and Mansfield and they've overtaken Mansfield with this victory. And they're off the back of their first defeat in 12 away at Accrington, whereas Morecambe were looking to get back into those playoff places after the loss of Derek Adams and expecting a tight game. Five minutes in, some intricate movement between the Wrexham wing-backs and midfield sees Mullins cross be converted by Joel Senior into his own net under pressure from Andy Cannon and Ollie Palmer either side of him. The second goal, Evans to Cannon across into Mullen and debatable foul on Rawson goes through the legs of Adam Smith and in seven minutes, Wrexham were off to such a flying start and they only capitalise when... Uh, Jacob Mendy does a brilliant solo effort when he's found by Andy Cannon. And I think one thing worth going in on here is just how big a role George Evans played. You can see from all of the goals, he's just that sort of organising body in that midfield and further capitalised when he finds Mullen and Lee and um, Mullen sort of takes a skip to take it away from the Morecambe defence to make it 4-0. And then, um, again, Mullen converts. And then final consolation goal as Sam Dalby cuts it back to 
James Jones to cap off a 6-0 victory to see Wrexham into second place in the league. Yeah, I mean, it was an absolutely uh, storming performance uh, from Wrexham and uh, in particular Paul Mullin. And uh, Charlie, look, I'm going to chuck a question over to you on this one because uh, look, I've seen a few rumours flying around. Uh, I don't know how true they may be, but look, could Wrexham potentially lose Paul Mullin in January? Or do you think his love affair with uh, uh, with uh, uh, Deadpool <laughs> and uh, uh, there is, do you think that would keep him there at Wrexham? Look, let's bear in mind Paul Mullen effectively dropped down two divisions to go and play for, for Wrexham. Okay, yes, he wasn't technically in League One at the time, but he was going to be there. He dropped down two divisions to play for Wrexham and is quite clearly loving his time there. Wrexham are promotion chasing. You know, it's not like they're currently sat in kind of a 10th place position, underachieving to where they, they want to be. They are still they're in, sat there in automatics. They're in a really, really strong position feels like they're only going to get better and better as time goes on as well they seem to be improving week in week out at the minute you know obviously there's there's always little blips but considering where they were at the start of the season quite inconsistent um, having some really different performances they just seem to be firing on all cylinders at the minute and I just don't see Paul Mullen wanting to leave that environment especially not in January think about it was the best he's probably going to get would be a league one move but Wrexham probably going to be in league one next season anyway you know, chances are they're going to be paying League One level wages for some of these players as well. I just don't see it happening at all, him choosing to leave in January, mid-season. I just think it'd be crazy for him to move. I'm I'm kind of glad you you agree with me on that point. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, would, I don't think, you know, again, if he was to go to a, any kind of team, yes, it would probably be a League One team. But it would have to be a team that are literally top of the league going up into the championship. That's the only way I could see him moving because, you know, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I, I can't see how Wrexham aren't getting out of this league this year. Uh, but, Brandon, um, talking about Morecambe, uh, obviously going forward here, who should they be looking at to replace Derek Adams? Well, earlier in the week, I was really shocked about Adams' departure, but I think it sort of says a lot about Morecambe as a club that he's very much papered over the cracks for years at Morecambe. We know about their off-the-field issues going into the season and many had them for relegation. And look at them now, they're currently playoff chasing. No one would have thought that this would have been a tight game going into it. And I think for years, Morecambe have sort of thrived off of being that underdog in League 2 and League 1. So I think John Coleman has been linked and... We all know about the adversity going on at Accrington, so I think it is a match made in heaven if he is willing to agree with Morecambe, but we'll come on to John Coleman later, I'm sure. Yes, yes, I'm sure we will, and, and we might even come on to another member of the Accrington family as well. Um so uh, obviously, after that six-nil uh, thrashing uh, to more, uh, sorry, uh, from Wrexham to Morecambe, uh, that leaves Wrexham currently in second place, and Morecambe are in twelfth. Moving on to our next game. Now, this was Tranmere versus Gillingham. Now, Tranmere, who had won just once in their last ten games, including seven defeats, came up against the Gillingham side, who got their first league victory under new boss Stephen Clements last weekend, and will be hoping to keep that run going. Tranmere won this fixture 3-0 last season, 
but a winner for Gillingham could see them move into the playoff places. And of course, my beloved generous Jules only went and lost 3-1. So yes, final score was Tranmere 3, Gillingham 1. Uh, and uh, Charlie, look, obviously, I know you actually watched this uh, for me. W what did you think of the game? How bad was it from a Gillingham point of view? <laughs> well, look, I, I should try to be nice to you, uh, Matt, really. But Tranmere... Tranmere, we know, have had their issues this season. But what they've actually done, they were actually they were able to comfortably beat a Gillingham side who, like you say, are actually playoff chasing. Um, so, you know, the, the home side, Tranmere, had some really good opportunities early on, uh, but unfortunately just dragged their shots wide. But they broke the deadlock in the 43rd minute when Apta pounced on a mix-up in the Gillingham defence and fired the ball past Jake. Turner, just really, really poor from the Gillingham defence. I mean, I'm sure you'd very much agree, Matt. Um, it's things like that are just inexcusable. It's it's absolutely horrendous. And then Tranmere were able to get another goal not long after half time as well. And then immediately, then seven minutes later, they managed to get another one with two really, really nice assists. By the way, from uh, Brad Walker, the first one a really, really nice cross. So really impressive. Gillingham did manage to get one back in the 91st minute, but it just was a consolation goal at that point. Now, I mean, Matt, I, I, I kind of want to ask you this question. You know, you're the Gillingham fan. You'll know a lot more than me about your situation. I'm sure you probably don't want to talk about it, though. You you guys seem to, to, seem to be just so inconsistent. You know, we know that there's been a managerial change this season. We understand that there are going to be games in this league that surprise any fan. But what is it that you guys need to improve in that squad? Because it just seems like you're lacking in one, two, three areas of the pitch. I'm just really struggling as, as an outsider to put my finger on the main problem at Gillingham. So please enlighten me as to what's going wrong. Where do I start? So, <laughs> no, I mean, they're, they're, look, there is a, a couple of main areas that, that Gillingham need to work on. I mean, look, the, the first thing is, um, I'm sure you guys may have known, we were linked with Alfie May in the summer. Uh, and obviously he chose to go, go to Charlton and look how good he, he's doing. So the one thing us, all us Jules fans said is we need a goal scorer. So um, currently, look, we've got, um, you know, we've got McCauley Bond. Uh, we've got... Um, uh, Tom Nichols, who plays up front. We've got Ashley Anderson. Uh, and we've got currently Ollie Hawkins, who's out injured. Um, we're playing with one up top. I think we need to be playing with two, but we definitely, definitely need a goal scorer. And January can't come soon enough for that. But for us, for me, the biggest thing I think we're, we're having an issue with is leadership on the pitch. Um, we've got great individuals. And on paper, that team is, is as good as any in League Two. But... It is a team of individuals, not leaders. And I just, you know, just feel that that's where Gillingham's biggest issue is. But look, I could talk about Gillingham all night and I do on my other podcast. Uh, but um, look, Brandon, I'm going to actually throw a question over to you because I, I look, for, as a neutral, if I'm looking at this game as a neutral, I actually thought Tranmere, Tranmere looked like the team potentially pushing for the playoffs, not Gillingham. So look, if Tranmere can start picking up more points away from home, is there an outside chance that they could sneak into the playoffs? Well, I was looking at the home and away forms earlier today, and I looked at Tranmere and they're tenth in the division for the home 
for the home form and that's obviously not what you'd expect of a team that are in the relegation conversation. So I thought Rob Apter, I'm not sure how much he's played, but he looked absolutely brilliant yesterday. And, you know, if they can start converting away from home it's, it's it, and start to match the home form, there's no reason they can't get into that sort of 10th to 12th sort of conversation that matches that of the home form. But it's a lot easier said than done. No, absolutely, it is. And uh, look, I've got to say, from a from a from a so again an outsider's point of view, I I think that ho- that home form is is been excellent for Tranmere. You know, as you said, they're, they're tenth in the in the league standing, but that away form is where they're really struggling. And if they can start picking up points, you know, getting draws instead of losses, and picking up the odd win here and there, honestly, I, they they'll start rising up that table really, really quickly. Um, right. Well, we're going to move on to. I uh, say, uh, no, I've, I haven't done the um, uh, the position. Sorry, apologies. So uh, that, after that game, uh, that three-one win by Tranmere, uh, that leaves them in twenty-second, and Jimmingham are in ninth somehow. Um, moving on to our next game. Now, this was Walsall versus Forest Green, and Walsall's return to League Two action following a two-week break, where second bottom, second from bottom, Forest Green visited them. Now, boss Matt Sadler is under fire with the Sadlers, achieving uh, this season and have gained just nine points from their last ten games, whilst Forest Green have won and drawn their last two games and have lost just once in their last six. A win for Forest Green could see them move just three points behind Walsall. And it finished. Walsall nil, Forest Green nil. And I was on this game. Now, I've got to say, uh, obviously, from watching the highlights, um, there was a couple of opportunities from Forest Green in the first half I thought were, were, were excellent. Uh, Troy Deeney uh, headed just wide um, very early on. And there was a couple of uh, options, a couple of, uh, uh, there was a couple of strikes from about 30, 40 yards out, which almost just tested the keeper. Forest Green, and I say this a lot about a lot about most teams, but again, they didn't look like a team that were languishing second from bottom. They they looked really good. Now, guys, look, did you watch any of the highlights? Because, well, Charlie, I'm sure you may have watched the highlights because there's a certain <laughs> uh, certain footballer playing for Walsall. But uh, I mean, no comment. For, for a screen, what I thought were excellent yesterday again, and they, I say they away from home, you know, they didn't look like the team there that were, were struggling near the foot of the table. No, and don't get me wrong, I understand that praise should definitely go on Forest Green for that, as, as hard as that is for me as a Lincoln fan to say. But just just on Walsall, I think there has to be the, the question, like, yes, okay, Freddie Draper is now obviously back. Freddie Draper has been a focal point of their attack for the first sort of 10 to 15 games of the season before he had his injury. He's now back. Hopefully that gives them an opportunity to be able to kick on. Not that they are a one-man team, absolutely in no way, shape or form. But I've been saying it for a little bit too long with Warsaw so far this season that they're just too inconsistent. And they've actually started to become more consistent, but consistently poor. So it kind of defeats the purpose of what what they needed to improve. Uh, But, you know, back onto, onto Forest Green. It's a, it's a weird one with them because I think very much before this game and, and even after this game, let's you know, let's be honest, a lot of people, myself included, believe Forest Green's relegation opportunity. You know, it's not just a possibility anymore. 
I think there's a real strong chance that Forest Green could end up being in that bottom two this season. And realistically, it's going to be about who could just... It's, it's going to end up coming down to consistency. Because we've already spoken about any team can beat any other team in this league this season. Everybody has shown it. Every single team in that division has beaten another team who is higher up than them in the table and all of this. It happens and they can get comfortable victories. Forest Green, I don't see much consistency coming in with them in terms of being able to really pick up consistent, strong points, home or away. So for me, obviously January is going to be key, but I still think that Forest Green is going to be down there towards the end of the season. It would be great if they can kick on and start to use some of these performances that they've been having, even when they've not necessarily had the results, but they've been able to have some performances that show promise. They've got to be able to turn them into points on the table. Because, for example, they've got a game in hand on the couple of teams around them. Game in hand means absolutely nothing when you're sat in 23rd in the league. So, Forest Green definitely need to improve, or else they're going to be staring National League in the face. Brandon, I'm going to come on to you then on for this one. Um, so, look, I mean, obviously, after I said about they, they've had a bit of a, 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 a bad run, Walsall, uh, are things starting to look bleak for Matt Sadler? Well... You look at that Walsall squad, they've got some real established League Two players such as Jamil, Matt, Danny Johnson, Priestley, Farquhar, and some real top League Two players. But I also look at their system. They had a 4-5-1 with Freddie Draper up front, who's obviously been such an integral part to them. But you just wonder, is he really getting the best out of this squad? And... They're currently sat 17th, 18th. The bottom six are really breathing on the backs of them. And also, you look at their fixtures next month, they have Knox County, Barrow and Wrexham coming up. So I think right now, if the Walsall board aren't making some decisions on whether to stick with or get rid, then there's some serious questions to be asked. Yeah, absolutely. So look, Charlie, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I know you've kind of already answered it. Give me a simple yes or no, and then a quick paragraph, you know, afterwards of of, of what you think. But look, after reading a lot of the comments on social media, many Forest Green fans are fearing the worst. But look, is there any hope for them? There is hope for them. There is, but I feel like that actually comes because of the other teams in and around that kind of relegation area. Look, we've. we've Brandon, I, I don't want to to take the mitt, but we've mentioned Grimsby. You know, there are there are a few teams down there that unfortunately just are losing a little bit too consistently and not being able to pick up points where they can. We've but then on the flip side of that, we've spoken about the fact that Tranmere's home form is really good and that can help push them out. Um, you know, and all of this, I just don't see Forest Green having this one unique point where they're able to overperform their league position. So. Although there is hope for them because we're still so early in the season. If I was a betting man, I, I wouldn't bet against them being relegated at the minute. Well, after that nil-nil draw, that leaves Walsall currently sat in 18th place and Forest Green are 23rd. Moving swiftly on to our next game. This was Colchester versus Barrow. And Colchester, who had won five of their last nine games since Matthew Ethington took over, came up against a Barrow side who, like Colchester had won five of their last nine, sorry, last, sorry, five games, and are unbeaten in their last nine. Barrow are unbeaten in their last three visits to Colchester as well, and Barrow, who are just two points off promotion, 
whilst Colchester with six points above the relegation zone. After the 90 minutes was up, the final score was Colchester 1, Barrow 4. And Brandon, I know you were on this, and look, I'm going to ask you a question straight off the bat. Can Colchester feel hard done by? Certainly. Uh, you look at the statistics, they speak for their own. It, it probably favours Colchester or even an even game. Four big chances missed, according to Footmob, 2.9 XG to 2.3. And... Also, you look at the timing of Barrow's goals. It was uh, three goals in eight minutes in what was such a tight game at 1-1. So I think, you know, going out of that stadium as a Colchester fan, 80 minutes, you're seeing a really tight game and you walk out, it's 4-1. So, yeah, I think Colchester have the right to feel quite hard done by because they lost it very much in individual moments. Yeah, it all seemed to change from the sending off, didn't it? Yeah, what did you think of that? Honestly, I, I look, it wasn't it a second yellow, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, and obviously, I, I didn't see the first yellow, but again, the second yellow, if you're already currently booked, a bit of a silly incident to do, but look, you know, unfortunately, players have these mad five minutes, but yeah, obviously, really for me, that definitely cost them the game because I thought they were performing really well up until that point, yeah, certainly. <coughs> oh, apologies. <coughs> so, look, I'm actually going to jump straight into the questions there. So, Charlie, look, I've got a really uh, nice, simple question for you. One that I know you're going to be able to answer so easily, but where do cultures to need to actually strengthen in January? Well, um, every, every, no, look, I, I've been kind of doing a little bit of a deep dive into the Colchester stats when, uh, you know, when I knew that this was going to be a topic of conversation. And if you look at their defensive stats, there's some real, real issues in there. Colchester are the team who have conceded the second most amount of goals in the league. Hardly unsurprising for a team in 20th place. Now, in terms of goal scoring, they are sort of roughly mid-table. So, you know, yes, OK, in one area, but they're OK in the other. But then that kind of immediately points to, OK, they need to improve defensively. So then I did a little bit more of a deep dive into the stats because I don't like to just sit as easy as, well, conceding, so therefore they need to improve defensively. But then I had a little look through some of the other stats. Colchester concede the most amount of shots on target in, in the league, right? By, by a little bit of a margin as well. So then I had a little look to their goalkeeper because you think, okay, right, look, they're conceding a lot of shots on target, they're conceding quite a few goals. You know, is the goalkeeper the problem? But actually, no. Their, their goalkeeping percentages and their goalkeeper save percentages and all of this are all roughly kind of mid-table again. So to me, it just screams to the fact that, you know, you mentioned XG there, Brandon, right? and, I, and I love XG because what XG can tell you, and I know that's a real... But what XG can tell you is not how many chances are being created. You can look at how many shots and how many shots on target a team's taking per game, for example. But what XG tells you is what's the quality of that chance. And what all of this is showing me is that Colchester are giving away so many chances and quite a few of them high quality chances that are resulting in goals. So there needs to be a difference made defensively. And it's not just about having different players and having a, having a new kind of back line or whatever and 
stopping the shots from coming in, but it's about stopping it at the root of the source. And it's something that I feel like they struggled to do. The fact that so many shots on target are, are being able to be taken, the fact that so many of those shots have actually come from inside of the box as well, they have to be able to stop that ball from getting into those areas quite as much. So there has to be a change in their pressing structure. Something clearly isn't working for them defensively. And whether that ends up being the players or whether it is an issue with the coaching, you know, again, because they've had a change in manager, all of the stats you can have to take with a pinch of salt and it'll be intriguing to see how we go from here. But they definitely need to be able to sort themselves out defensively and set up more of a structure to stop being so leaky and giving away so many, not just chances, but good quality chances. No, I totally agree with you. And I don't know whether it's say it is just the style of play or whether it is the personnel they have on the pitch, but something does need to change for them to be starting to pull away from the bottom of the league. Um, Amanda, look, I'm going to throw you this over to you, and uh, I'm I'm going to say this quietly, but having a bit of a I'm having a bit of a love affair right now with Barrow and in particular Pete Wilde. Uh, but look, reading I read all the socials, and I was reading them all last night, and this that just seems to be such a real togetherness at that club right now. I, I, look, I can see it, but can you potentially see Barrow as a dark horse for the automatics this year? Well, anyone that was familiar with Pete Wilde at Halifax would have known exactly where Barrow were heading and it was only on the up as soon as he was appointed. I looked at them yesterday, you know, as we said earlier, it they rode their luck, but they just look like a team that all play for each other. There's no passengers in that side. There's not many individuals. I just see such a team and they're almost like that perfect blueprint of an underdog in this division they're so solid at the back they can ride the pressure they're never phased by big trips you know they've gone and won at bradford obviously it's been quite a common occurrence this year winning at bradford but they're not phased by the big sides in this division there's a lot of cohesion and solidarity and they've found such a clear way of winning and that's through playing for each other so I really can't see a reason why they can't go for that automatic spot. They're really not far behind some big guns in Stockport, Mansfield and Wrexham. I can't see why Pete Wilde can't take them that one further. No, look, as I said, I, I've got a bit of a love affair with him myself and I, I, I really do see him doing such wonders there at Barrow and I really, you know, can see them as a dark horse for the automatics this year. You know, I think playoffs is definitely there for them, but even automatics could be the outside chance. But after that 4-1 win from Barrow yesterday, that leaves Colchester currently in 20th and Barrow are in 5th. Moving on to our next game, last game before the break. This was Swindon versus Mansfield and Swindon, who were currently on a poor run of form, having lost nine of their last 12, took on a Mansfield side who are still unbeaten in the league. Mansfield, who won this fixture 4-2 last season, are currently in second spot and six points behind the leaders' top four, while Swindon are five points off the playoffs. And after the 90 minutes was up and the referee blew his final whistle... Mansfield finally were beaten. They were beaten 2-1 by Swindon and Charlie. I believe you're on this one. I certainly wasn't. This is what I said at the introduction of this podcast. Some really, really big shocks this week. Um, I, I, again, I don't really think anybody would have necessarily had Swindon to beat Mansfield down. 
and it almost didn't happen. So there were some really good chances early on. In fact, it was probably Swindon that created the first great chance. But huge, huge credit to Christy Pym to keep the goal goal line at uh, goal. The uh, result at 0-0 for the first 30 minutes of the game. There's the words I was looking for. Uh, with an absolutely incredible save coming back across his line to be able to save. I think it was uh, Hutton who uh, made the volley. Really, really impressive goalkeeper. However, he was not able to save the second volley this time in the 37th minute by uh, Young, who was on the end of a Dan Kemp cross. Then, after the break, Mansfield were able to level it up as uh, they found space, sorry, with uh, Lucas Aikens running in behind the Swindon back line and he took a really nice finish into the bottom corner. However, you'd think that that would maybe be it. One or draw. Okay, Mansfield stay unbeaten, going into the closing stage of the game. Everybody can walk away slightly happy. But no. Deep into stoppage time, Jake Young ended up winning it for Swindon as he tapped home from a, I think it was Charlie Austin who hit the crossbar and he managed to tap home in what was a little bit of a scramble in the area. Really, really impressive by Swindon. Now, Mansfield are obviously going to be dismayed uh, and disappointed in themselves to have lost this unbeaten run because, okay, even if many of them were draws, the fact they're still on an unbeaten run, really, I, I feel personally it just gives you a little bit of a mental edge, some kind of a psychological bonus. Obviously, unfortunately, they've lost this now. But huge for Swindon as well, like you say, that they, they haven't necessarily been in the greatest run of form, but really, really impressive for them. Disappointed for Mansfield. But overall, a really, really good game of League Two football. Yeah, it was. It was a really, really exciting game, actually. I, I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I watched the extended highlights and I, mm. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. And there was bits I kept going back to re-watch because I just thought there was some really impressive mm. play there. But, look, I mean, I, I've, I've got to say I thought Swindon were excellent, but they've had a, obviously a bit of a poor start before this. So, Brandon, look, do you think this is that kind of momentum shift that they needed to really kickstart their, you know, well, I say kickstart their season, but kickstart their push further up the league? Yeah, well, I said similar with Newport. They've been on the worst form in the division without a win since mid-October, Swindon. And like Newport, what a way to get your confidence up. Obviously, like there's been a bit of off-field adversity. They're fearing January, Swindon. They've got two of the best forwards in the division. But now, with a win, they're only two points off the playoffs. And they have three massive games against Accrington, Wimbledon and Barrow. Those are three sides they'll certainly be looking to compete against going into this Christmas period. So with a win and ending Mansfield's run going into these three games in the Christmas period, it'll be really telling for how Swindon can push on for this season. Absolutely, yeah. I think, it, as you said, this Christmas period is vital for Swindon season if they want to have any kind of momentum going forward. Um, Charlie, look, obviously I know you said you watched the game and I, mm. this is a bit of a yeah, unique question, I like to think. <laughs> but uh, take it take it how you want. But look, did Mansfield lose yesterday or were they beaten? Well... Either way, they've got zero points. Uh, but no, I get, I, I get the question you're asking, Matt. And do you know what? I t- 
you'd you'd expect to kind of say when a team have gone on such a great unbeaten run and all this that actually they probably just lost the game and they'd kind of ran out of steam in this long run or whatever. But you know what? 100% fair play to Swindon. They were absolutely incredible yesterday. They, they created some really, really good chances. They were able to show the resoluteness and the passion and the drive in the last minutes of the game to get themselves the win. They had more possession than Mansfield. They had more shots than Mansfield. The same amount of shots on target. This is against a Mansfield side who we have all consistently praised all season for how strong they've been defensively. But this is a Swindon side that were able to carve them up more, more than once. Uh, and create some really good opportunities for themselves. So as much as, yes, OK, Mansfield are probably going to be disappointed with their performance and hope that they could have done better, actually, Swindon, I think, deserve probably more credit for the, for that game yesterday than what Mansfield do. Absolutely. I, I kind of re- I agree with you, Anthony. I thought Swindon were, were absolutely, uh, you know, outstanding. Mansfield didn't really look like a different Mansfield team that I've seen previously. Just seemed that they were still playing at sort of, you know, 98% and Swindon were playing at 120%, you know. Uh, but look, after that, uh, that thrilling game yesterday, ending 2-1 to Swindon, Swindon are coming in 10th and Mansfield are up there in 3rd. Guys, it's that time to go and grab yourself a cup of tea, a cup of coffee or whatever it is, and we will see you in a few. It's time to start planning your next holiday adventure. Whether you're travelling to Germany for the Euros or taking your partner or kids on a much-needed break to the Balearic Islands, downloading NordVPN is a must. NordVPN allows you to watch all sporting events, TV shows and films which are not available in your region by switching your location in just a click to one which is showing the content. So if you're away with the family and don't want to miss any of the action from your favourite EFL team, then NordVPN is the service for you. NordVPN also acts as your cyber bodyguard whilst online by protecting your personal data and other sensitive information like card details and passwords from falling into the wrong hands for just the price of one cup of coffee per month and can be used across six, yes, six different devices. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash reallyfl. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support our podcast too. The link is in the podcast episode description box. So a massive thank you to NordVPN for supporting this podcast, and you can too by going to nordvpn.com forward slash reallyfl to get a discount. The link is in the description. Away days are great, especially when your striker bag's a last-minute winner, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. And do you know what? The same goes for McDonald's. Why not maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery? Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back, guys. I hope you are all nice and refreshed, just like we are. And we're going to move swiftly on to our next game. This was AFC Wimbledon versus Notts County and AFC Wimbledon, who had won their last three home games, scoring nine goal goals and conceding just once heading into this match with Notts County, who themselves had won four of their last seven, but had lost the other three. These sides had faced each other only once in their history, uh, with Wimbledon winning that fixture 2-1 eight years ago. Knox County uh, were third on goal difference with Wimbledon four points off the playoffs before kickoff. And the final score was AFC Wimbledon four, Knox County two. And actually, again, what another great game of League Two football this was. I had the pleasure of watching this game. now, obviously, unfortunately to Notts County, they did slip out of the playoffs uh, with this 4-2 loss. But a brace from Al Hamadi and Jake Reeves 
uh, took the Dons to within a point of the playoffs. Uh, Rescored in the 28th, 9th minute and the 86th minute with two penalties. Uh, Al Hamidi scored in the 41st and then 90 plus two with Langstaff and Namini uh, scoring uh, within five minutes each other, just the other side of half time. Uh, first off, guys, look, I do have to ask you first off, did you see either of the penalty incidents yesterday? Uh, yes, I um, I did. Um, look, it's, 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 it's really difficult because I don't want to come on here and criticise the uh, referees, but I'm not too sure on both of them. I, I mean, what, what yeah, do you no, think, Matt? Because I just... So, look, for, uh, my, my first one, my initial instinct when I watched the when I watched the game, when I watched it sort of um, in real time, was that looks like a penalty. Uh, mm-hmm. I watched it in slow motion, and then, again, I just thought to myself, mm, I don't know, is it? Uh, the second one, again, I, I think was quite harsh from a Notts County point of view. Uh, look, we've said it before, the sound of League Two referees is, isn't is great, but it has been better. Have you got it up there? You're currently watching it at the moment. Look, uh, when, when you watch it, I don't know. It just feels like it was a bit of a suspect call. But look, I, I'm going to always say, until we have full-time League Two referees across the board and in League One, and you're always going to get in the consistent uh, refereeing decisions. Uh, Brant, are you, are you just watching the incident? I uh, saw so you grab your phone. What did you think? Do you think that looks like a penalty? The first one, I can't, like you said, you have to see it in slow motion, really. I can't tell if he like sort of lunges into him or if there's a foot in there. I don't know. To me, it looks like he gets the ball and it, he kicks the ball against the player and then catches the player. That's what it looks like to me. Um Again, have another watch by all means. The, the second one, I don't know. Again, it's a bit of, I think, a, a contentious potential penalty. But I think the second one, I'd probably lean more towards a penalty. But I, I can see the debate. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, look, I mean, it, it was a crack and go game though of football. I think it was end to end stuff. Um, I'm actually going to jump on and, and actually start with the questions on this one, mainly because, uh, look, Brandon, there's a, a certain AFC Wimbledon uh, striker that they've got playing for them at the moment who I would love to see playing in the blue and white of Gillingham at Priestfield. Don't think that's going to happen. But look, Al Hamadi, uh, he scored eight goals in 16 games this year. So can AFC Wimbledon keep hold of him in January? Well, one thing with him, and it same goes for a lot of players in this league. It's how good, how good are certain players when they are at the right club? We've seen it with Jake Young, and I think he will be playing above Bradford Answinder next season. And Al Hamidi was not really a name at Wickham; he was always a fringe player, but he's gone on and really taken on to the surroundings at Wimbledon, and it just looks like the right club for him. But going on to that, he is such a nuisance for defenders. You can see really interrupted Notts County playing out from the back. It's become a bit of a regular theme with them conceding, them giving it away at the back. But he looked like almost the epitome of everything that that Notts County defence hates to come up against. He's so mobile, he's very strong and he can finish. So 
similar to Oliafe, I, I think teams definitely will be coming in for him. And I think he possibly could be looking for a move. And if he does fair play to him, I think a top end league one side could come into him. And it's another example of a right player in the right surroundings, because I think in a year's time, he will likely be playing above the level of Wickham, where he was just a fringe player not so long ago. Yeah, he was excellent yesterday. That second goal that he scored, where he picked up in the halfway line, but he's, I mean, he's got some pace on him, hasn't he? And and he, I think he does terrify defences in this league. And look, as much as I joke that I would love to see him in a Gillingham shirt, yeah, I think you're right. If he was to move to any game, to any team, it would probably be a high end League One, <laughs> high end League One team. I would have suggested. Um, but yeah, uh, so. Look, Charlie, I'm going to just chuck this over to you. And, and, and I, I ask this again a bit tongue-in-cheek because they're not the worst here. But look, do you think Knotts' defence could be a reason that they wouldn't go up this year? Because as Brandon said, trying to play it out from the back doesn't always seem to work. But I mean, are they just going to try and outscore other teams they play? They're going to try. I just don't think it's going to work as well. Um, look, we, as like I say, I, as a Lincoln fan, we've played Notts County twice this season in cup competitions. And both occasions were literally, it was the same game, just twice, where they had the ball around the back. They tried to play it out. Didn't look very comfortable with it. The defenders just looked scared at times. Um, and then we went, and when we got the ball, we went at them. And they just didn't really seem to have too much of an answer for it. And it's something that is very evident in the rest of their games as well in all of the highlights and all of the extended clips and such that I've watched of Notts County this season, it all points to the fact that you just know they're going to be able to leak goals. Now, at the start of the season, it wasn't too much of an issue because, you know, they were able to pick up the points and it was great. They were winning 5-4 some games and all of this. Now, in the last five, they've lost three matches. Okay, Suddenly, you're going to have to start questioning it. And, it, and it's something that's been there and evident to see from the very get-go, but now they're starting to suffer from results as well. And on the top on top of that, I just think that the longer you go into the season, the more the teams that they're coming up against are going to understand how to play against them. They're going to understand that this is a very clear weakness that can be uh, sort of targeted and it's going to get harder and harder for Nuts County. They're going to have to change something that they do. Otherwise, they're going to leak too many goals to the point where they're not going to be able to get automatics. Because at the minute, I can see a, a number of teams that I think perform better consistently week in, week out than what Notts County are doing. Yes, Notts County are one of the most exciting attacking sides in the division. But if they're not able to keep clean sheets, they're never going to stay near the top. Yeah, I think that's my biggest concern at the moment is they they, they look really great going forward, just not so great uh, defensively. Brandon, would you have something? I to... think another big thing with Notts County, we talk about them being so susceptible to giving it away from the back. They're really missing Matty Palmer, that sort of composed presence in the midfield and uh, Geraldo Bajrami as well, that almost destroyer, I think. You can talk about defenders giving it away, but in the midfield, they're just as guilty and they've clearly gone into the season without as many reinforcements as they'd have liked to have. They're clearly without that calming presence in the midfield to keep them the ball. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, after that 4-2 win from AFC Wimbledon yesterday, that leaves them currently in eighth position and Knots are in sixth. So on to our next game. This was Bradford versus Accrington Stanley. And Bradford got their first win under new boss Graham Alexander in the week and with a 5-1 win over Barnsley. Sorry. Accrington had won just once in their last six games since their chairman's outburst on X. And boss John Coleman has also been linked with the vacant managerial job at Morecambe. Bradford had lost just one home game against Accrington in their last seven. And Accrington, despite their poor form, are still in the playoffs. Bradford are six points above the drop zone. And after this thrillingly uh, two game, it ended. Bradford won, Accrington standing nil. Charlie, I believe you watched this one for us. I did. And do you know what? For a 1-0, this was actually full of action from the get-go. There was a couple of really good opportunities in the first half. There was... It, don't get me wrong, it was a little bit of a cagey affair, but when the opportunities came, there were high-level opportunities. So, for example, um, sorry, Adio, Adidoyin, there we go, I'm going to pronounce names. Uh, he got in behind the uh, Bradford defence early in the first half, but his shot was blocked at the near post by Harry Lewis. Bradford also got into some really promising positions, but they just couldn't seem to really threaten the Accrington goal. Well, I say that because in the 58th minute, Bradford managed to break the deadlock when Kelly's long pass picked out Smith to clip the ball over keeper John McCracken after Andy Cook had let the ball run through. It was a really, really nice little bit of play from, uh, from Bradford and they could be really, really impressed with it under new boss Graham Alexander. Not, however, so great for Accrington because, as you mentioned, that that is now obviously another loss for them. That makes it three in their three losses in their last five. Only a couple of wins coming against AFC Wimbledon and, granted, Wrexham. But it just seems to be like the whole situation at Accrington is maybe starting to uh, fall onto some of the players. They're, they're dropping slightly down the division, and all of this. Uh, and they're quite clearly struggling from where they were. But credit to, should certainly be going to Bradford as well. They needed that win. It's all about now whether or not they can build upon it. Well, look, Charlie, uh, on that, I'm just going to throw this one over to you because uh, Graham Alexander, do you think he might try and recall Jake Young uh, from Swindon in January? I think it'd be a foolish not to. Um, and I think it's it's the same situation as what it is with Dan Kemp, for example, and MK Dons. I think, and I'll be honest, it's a situation that we're currently going through at Lincoln. We've got a new manager in. Chances are, I see Freddie Draper being recalled. Sorry, Walsall fans. I know it's not what you wanted to hear. A new manager is going to want to have every single player at their disposal. Just because it hasn't necessarily worked out there before. And the, this, this loan move, for example, has. I mean, Brandon, you've already mentioned it on today's podcast about sometimes certain players just fit in certain teams. There's no reason, there's nothing that you can necessarily put your finger on it. There's no form book on paper to understand why it's the case. But sometimes it's just the way it is. But I also think that a managerial change actually kind of resets the playing field. So a new manager coming in is going to want to have every single player at his disposal to be able to really understand what his best eleven is and what his best squad is. So do I see it happening? Yes, do I think it's there's any chance that 
it doesn't happen. Honestly, no. I think it's an almost certainty. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I think it's a very high possibility, but it's games whether Jake Young actually really wants to go back. I, I, I assume he would. I can't see why he wouldn't. It's a new manager, obviously, as you said, under the previous regime. For whatever reason, it didn't work out. But let's see if this does work out for him. Uh, but, but, Brandon, um, going to move on to a question now about Accrington and in particular John Coleman. And do you really think he could leave for Morecambe or, or do you think, you know, he's really built something there at Accrington and he might might stay, especially with that lovable chairman in charge? Well, I brought it up earlier that I think he'd certainly be a good fit for Morecambe with the whole underdog narrative that Morecambe tend to thrive off of. But in terms of the feasibility, it's almost why would you leave one off the field circus if you'd like for an even bigger one? We, we're all very aware of what's gone on with Morecambe in the summer and what's going on with their board. And I thought Derek Adams very much papered over the cracks at Morecambe. And I, I can't see him leaving for Morecambe of all clubs personally. And obviously there's a local links, but I personally can't see it being Morecambe just due to the sheer off the field issues, which outweigh what's been tweeted quite a lot by Andy Holt. Absolutely. And again, this that's Andy Holt is one guy. I'll be honest, I, I would love to have a chat with him. I just think I'd love to pick his brains. He, he's a he's a he's a very uh, interesting chairman. But yeah, whether John Coleman feels that he needs to go from, as you said, from one circus to another, that remains to be seen. Well, after that one nil win from Bradford, that leaves them currently in 14th place and Accrington are in seventh. On to our next game. This was Grimsby versus Sutton United. And Grimsby are unbeaten in their last four games, scoring 13 goals in their last four, while Sutton's defeat to Charlton in the EFL Trophy was their first defeat in their last five games. Before kickoff, Sutton were bottom of League Two with just two points from safety, with Grimsby just four points clear of the drop zone. And Brandon, I believe you did watch this game. Did you actually go yesterday? Uh, no, I wasn't able to make it due to part-time job commitments, unfortunately. However, I was able to watch it on iFollow. I thought Grimsby started very well. First 15 minutes, tested the keeper, Arthur Ganua, Donovan Wilson in the early stages until that keeper, Dean Bazuanis, was uh, his game was cut short in the 15th minute and his replacement within five minutes was then picking the ball out of the net when Raquel Pike... Um, composed finish in the six-yard box takes his touch from Toby Malarkey's cross, which seemed to take a minor deflection on the way through. And then Aidan O'Brien went close, quick, good volley over the bar. Grimsby had a massive chance just late on with some great play between Ganua and Wilson again until in the fifth minute of stoppage time, Harry Smith wrong foots young goalkeeper Harvey Cartwright to put Sutton in level at the break and second half I can't believe the same Grimsby team walked out I thought Sutton were brilliant they were really resolute missed some brilliant chances and you know there was some action in the second half I thought in the end Sutton were unlucky to come out with the win but at the same time I thought before the goal Grimsby certainly had the chances to have killed the game off 
No, they, they didn't do that. And again, like you said, I thought Sutton were absolutely excellent in the second half. Like you said, when they came out, there was really a different team. And that, but my my feeling, and again, this is from an outside point of view, and I'm sorry to say this, two are to be found themselves, but I, I really do feel you're missing in that managerial position at the moment. So, I mean, from yourself, from your own point of view, how urgent do you think it is that a managerial appointment is made? Well, I think the fan base are on the same page that this team isn't so far, but, it, you know, it's a better quality team on paper than what the table would suggest. But watching them play, they look so low on confidence and it's almost which compartment are we going to lack in today? Are we going to be over in midfield today? Are we going to have an individual error lead to a goal today? Are we going to struggle in front of goal today? It's almost like not everything's working at the same time. And whether that's an individual problem, a personnel problem, or even a mentality problem, I think once we concede, it has, has been a common theme this season. We look to fall apart. We've conceded quite quickly in succession on multiple occasions this season and it's almost like you know you work so hard huff and puff and then throw it away within five minutes so i think we're very desperate for that manager to come in and just implement new ideas and just give them some confidence really just breathe some life into a team that look completely devoid of thoughts on how to win a game at the moment well, look, I'm, I'm going to just ask you a quick then yes or no question here because, look, technically, Grimsby are now unbeaten in their, you know, in five games. Uh, with you've got these obviously new uh, caretaker guys in charge. Would you not give it to them, or do you really think you need an experienced manager? Well, all credit to Ben Davis and Sean Pearson. On, you know, they're very much steady the ship. We've had five points from three league games, but you also look at. The games we've played, I said it last week, we had a replay with Slough that we drew initially and we've hosted bottom of the league, gone away to bottom, gone away to Forest Green who are in that relegation zone and beat a decent Morecambe side, all credit. But I really think there was some opportunity for points and these games against Forest Green and Sun could very, fingers crossed not, but could very much come back to bite us come the end of the season but uh, we had a fan forum that a lot of Grimsby fans will have been familiar with a lot of uh, Jason Stockwood our owner made it quite clear that moving forward they'd very much like Ben and Sean to be involved in the coaching as they have been moving forward but I personally think a lot of the issues we've shown under Paul Hurst are still present so those players really need that pick-me-up almost and just that sheer inspiration that a new manager brings just to get back to winning games and hopefully cut out those individual mistakes and raise that confidence that we've looked so low on. Well, let's hope it happens sooner or later for you guys. And Charlie, look, uh, a bit of a... Obviously, I know Sutton did play away from home yesterday but how important is their home form going to be to to their survival and obviously these picking up these points away from home against teams in and around them how important are they it's massive and it's what you need to do as an absolute bare minimum if you're going to have any chance of survival uh you know look sort of sutton a bottom okay we we know that there is no point in sort of trying to hide the fact that the two points 
behind Forest Green. And I've already spoken about the fact that Forest Green struggling to necessarily see where this kind where resurgence is going to come from them. I can't say that about Forest Green, and they're not saying the same thing about Sutton. Yes, okay, they're able to pick up some points at home. They're, they're on, you know, 11 points. There's only one less than FC Wimbledon, who are sat there in eighth, but it's their, like I say, their away form. They've got two points away from home all season. They've not had a victory in nine away games all season. That sort of run cannot carry on. Like I say, they're impressive at home. They've actually got a positive goal difference. In, in their home games, which, like I say, for a team bottom of the league, that's really, really strong and it's something that they're going to need to be able to build on and, and use. But it's pointless unless they're able to use it as a catalyst to try and improve their overall performances. And that's something that we're not seeing regularly from Sutton. It's something that we're not seeing them able to carry over into their away form. So, again, I'm just struggling to see at the minute where that one standout point is that Sutton are really able to gain at the minute to be able to see them climb out the relegation zone. I'm just struggling to see where the points are coming from. No, again, I don't want to rub it in, Brian, but I said, I do think Sutton were, were excellent in that second half and uh, really did step up. And again, didn't look like a team necessarily that were languishing down at the foot of the table. But after that uh, that game there, that finishing one all, that leaves Grimsby currently in 21st and Sutton are in 24th position. Moving on to our next game, this was Crawley versus Harrogate Town. Crawley Town, who, sorry, Crawley, sorry, had, had a torrid time of late, losing seven of their last 10 games, whilst Harrogate have won just three of their last eight. Now, both sides currently sit in mid-table with just two good or two bad results, moving either of them closer to the playoffs or to the drop zone. And after this clash between these two mid-table teams, it finished Crawley 2, Harrogate 1. And I had the pleasure of watching this game. And again, I thought it was a really good game of football. Now, the, the first goal, guys, I don't know if you saw it. The guy, uh, 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 you have to forgive me, I've forgotten his name. Let me just get it up. Yeah, um, Gladwin, that was it. Yeah, it was about 35, 40 yards out. He's hit the ball. It's literally rolled at about 10 miles an hour along the floor and somehow managed to creep into the goal. I mean, it, it really wasn't moving fast. It wasn't even a rocket, but just the audacity to have the shot from that distance of which somehow go in, I just thought was excellent. Um, Moldon obviously equalised for Harrogate just before halftime uh, and then Lolas scored in the 71st minute. Uh, look, I've got to say, I thought Harrogate were quite poor yesterday. I thought Crawley actually were were, were quite good. I mean, I know uh, the game isn't played on on paper, and obviously, when you look at the stats, you might think, you know, obviously, um, Crawley, you know, so sorry, Harrogate, you know, didn't have a, a, a torrid time, but I think they had registered fifteen shots um, all game, but three on target, and some of those shots were, were block shots that were. You know, just pot shots in the edge of the area. Nothing really going on target. It re Crawley really, I think, you know, they they looked like the team that were always going to win this game. Even at one all, as I'd always looked in the second half, like they were to come on stronger. Guys, I don't know if you watch the game. Do you have a slightly different opinion to myself, or or do you do you agree with me? No, I agree with you, Matt. I thought Crawley just looked confident all the way through. Really, I thought they displayed a lot of energy through Harrogate and Harrogate. Thought we're very lucky to go to get that equaliser as a whole, and I'm surprised they didn't really take it and build on it throughout the whole game. As you said, Crawley just looked 
by far the better side. No, they did. And look, Charlie, I'm going to chuck this one to you because obviously Crawley had such such a great start to this season. They, you know, everyone before the season started, everyone had them basically relegated before ball was even kicked. So, and but we, I I know Scott Lindsay is a brilliant manager, and I, he's definitely got a good team there. So, how important was this win for Scott Lindsay? Uh, and can it actually reignite their season? And can they start moving back up the table? Moving back up the table, I, I fear that that's going to be a little bit too optimistic if I turned around and said that right now. You've got to bear in mind, yes, okay, they got the win yesterday, but that's only their second win in eight league matches. Nine in all competitions, if we include the first round of the FA Cup, which was against League Two opposition in Notts County. Look, it's a really, really difficult one with Crawley because, as you said, they had such a great start to the season. And then it just kind of all fell apart. And it all just fell apart at once. And then they went on this crazy winless run. Then being able to beat Accrington, who we know their troubles at the minute. And now obviously being able to beat Harrogate. I don't personally see this being a, a game that's going to reignite their season. More a game that's going to just be able to kind of stop the rot. Uh, just maybe be able to stabilise them mid-table. Maybe they can just have a little run now uh, going into sort of just before the Christmas period, if they can just get a run of maybe seven or eight points out the next potential 15, so just something like that that could really steady them in a mid-table position, they'll probably be quite happy because the last thing they want to do is continue to fall down the table. Do I see them being able to push up into the playoffs? Personally, no. Are they potentially going to end up in the playoffs again at some point this season before dropping and have to back out of it again? Probably, because I think there's probably about 15 or 20 teams that at some point this season can say that they've been sat in a playoff place, because that's just the way League, League Two is at the minute. But I certainly, at the end of the season, don't see them being there. I just think this is now just a, a period of stabilisation. It's something that they really need. No, absolutely, they do, and, and again, I, I think a, a good mid uh, mid table finish for Crawley at the end of the season would be would be well respected, I think, amongst most League Two fans. But Brandon, look, um, look with with Harrogate, obviously, I mentioned it earlier: two good wins, two bad wins. So, two bad losses either way could send them up or down. And look with Wrexham, Sutton, Notts. So they've got Wrexham at home, Sutton away, then Notts at home. Um, where do you think Harrogate would find themselves? Is it going to be closer to the playoffs or is it going to be closer to the relegation zone? Well, short answer is, sorry, Harrogate fans, you're not quite getting into the playoffs for me this season. But um, I equally think they won't really be too involved in a relegation battle as well. I think Simon Weaver has a lot of credit to take out from how they've been this season. A lot of them... A lot of League Two fans will have had them in that bottom six sort of category this season. And there's been that adversity with Armstrong's failed move to Wrexham. He's come back and he's not performed as well. It's obviously taken a bit of a mental strain. But, you know, they've relied on him for the last two seasons quite a lot. A lot of people will have thought, oh, Armstrong goes, what have they got? But they've really made a good account of themselves without Armstrong's necessary influence. So... You know, I think if they're in that sort of 12th to 16th sort of category, there's yeah, it's a very respectable position. Like if Crawley were to finish where they're sort of projected to, it's a very respectable season for Harrogate in the perspective of both the Armstrong situation and where they are as a club. They're not the biggest club in this division. They don't have the biggest budget and they weren't terribly back to 
be outside of the relegation conversation this season. So I think with those games coming up, yeah, they might pick up a few, but I don't think it tells too much of a tale. I just can't see them being involved in anything, which I think they'll certainly have taken going into the season. Yeah, I think a lot of Harrogate fans would would like that to to not really be involved in anything this season with a bit of turmoil that might be going around with a couple of players at the club. But after that 2-1 win by Crawley, that leaves them currently in 11th place with Harrogate in 15th. Moving on to our second to last game, this was Salford versus MK Dons and Salford had lost their last three games, conceding 10 goals in the process, whilst MK Dons had won three of their last five games since Mike Williamson took over. This was the first time these sides had ever met in their history and Brandon, you were on this great 4-2 win from MK Dons, weren't you? Well, going into the game, you see two clubs both trying to sort of get themselves out of that mid-table and into that playoff chasing conversation. And MK Dons early out the doors, great run from Max Dean, puts them 1-0 in front until Kelly and Mai then leveled from a, a then leveled from a header from a cross from I think it was uh, McNally, is that his name? Oh, no, Mallon, sorry. And then Ryan Watson converts from a penalty won by the goal scorer to ensure the home side's lead at half time until some second half strikes from um, Joe Tomlinson, I think it was. A great curling effort for that third where he found so much space. I thought MK Dons did brilliantly stretching some of the wide areas almost. And then very late finish when the ball was presented to Ellis Harrison to cap off a 4-2 victory for MK and Mike Williams side are sort of moving even closer to that playoff conversation after a bit of a slow middle part of the campaign. I've got to say, I really do like what Mike Williamson is doing there at MK Dons and uh, look, I'm going to chuck you a question about him in a moment, but Look, Charlie, I'm going to talk about managers here and, and Salford in particular. And look, Salford has just had two home wins all season. So, look, is Neil Wood's job potentially on the line? I think in this division, you're only ever two or three losses away from your job being on the line, aren't you? So the fact that their form is as, as poor as it is, especially just in recent games. And like you say, I think home results do probably matter more to most fans. So the fact that their home form has been as poor as it has been as well. The, the short answer is yes, his job is on the line. And it wouldn't actually surprise me if within the next couple of weeks, you know, I, I don't necessarily see anything happening this week, but in the next couple of weeks, if performances don't pick up and results don't pick up, then there may be a new managerial search happening at Salford. No, look, I, I, I kind of agree with you on that. Um, I think they've got, is it Stockport on Tuesday night? They've got Bradford, then they've got AFC Wimbledon. Um, I can kind of almost say, you know, Stockport, can you can almost write that game off. Like you said, I don't think he'd be going, even if they lose uh, against Stockport, I don't think they'd get rid of him. But I, I do think the Bradford game, that could potentially be the job where, sorry, the game where he could potentially lose his job if Bradford go ahead and get a good result against them. Um, but Brandon, I'm going to chuck this over to you and, and look, um, 
I say this with all love for MK Dons, but their defence this year has been quite poor. So, look, if Mike Williamson can sort out the defence, how good could this MK Dons be? Because they look so good going forward. Well, yeah, like you say, you're looking at the sharp end of the pitch and the personnel they have. They have personnel, especially in that midfield, that really exceeds the quality of this division. But, yeah, they're leaking far too many. So if they can cancel those out, then you've got a real, real force with the identity that Mike Williams has installed on this MK Don side already. You've got a real force. And I think, you know, cancel those uh, those stupid goals that they're conceding, then you've almost got such a winning machine almost in the manner that Stockport and Mansfield currently are. You've got such a well-oiled machine with a identity because, you know, sides coming up against MK Dons, you're not going to feel too good about whether you're keeping a clean sheet or not. So I think they're always going to score just from the quality and identity of Mike Williams. So if they cancel it out, I can't see why they can't contend for automatics if they're to cut those goals out sooner rather than later. They, so they definitely do look like a beast of a team going forward. And uh, as I said, I think potentially if they can tighten up at the back there, yeah, they could start taking the, the League Two uh, by storm in the new year. But after that stunning 4-2 win by MK Dons, that leaves them in 13th place and Salford are in 17th. Moving on to our final game of the day. This is Crew Alexandra versus Doncaster and Crew had won six out of their last eight games and had won their last three games, whilst Doncaster had won five of their last eight. Crew are unbeaten in their last seven games, going in at home games, sorry, against Doncaster, and victory for Crew could see them get into the promotion places, whereas victory for Doncaster could see them enter the top half. And after that final get a score, after the 90 minutes was up, it ended Crew Alexander 3 Doncaster two and Charlie, you had the pleasure of watching this game, didn't you? I certainly did. Now, what a game we have picked to end on here. This was the definition of an end-to-end contest. Both teams had the lead at one point in the match. Both teams were obviously drawing <laughs> certain points in the match. But it, like I say, it was Crew that managed to edge it. So it started early on. Mo Fowl, who... Look, I've spoken about him on this podcast before. I think he is absolutely brilliant. And it's, it's it's his running, his ability, both off and on the ball, really direct, proper, proper striker. Um, he was I'd say, absolutely fantastic from the get-go. He caused crew problems. And he handed Doncaster the lead inside of 16 minutes. A really nice kind of passive move. Also including Joe Ironside, another player who I highly, highly rate. Uh Doncaster Rovers' keeper, Louis Jones, also deserves some great credit because early on he was able to save some really good chances from crew. However, in the 29th minute, he was unable to as Luke Offord managed to score the leveller as he found space in the side of the box and he hit a really, really strong effort straight through Louis Jones's hands. Shiloh Tracy then had a really good opportunity, but again, Louis Jones deserves some brilliant credit as he managed to keep that out however although the hosts were heading for the break 
they managed to get a little deflection of a Doncaster defender from a really, it was an incredible long throw, uh, you know, absolutely incredible. And just a little deflection off the Doncaster defender meant that, oh, Riodan, Rio Dan, Rio Dan, Rio Dan, yeah, we're going to go for it. He got his first of the afternoon in the 44th minute and uh, powering a shot home. However, it didn't matter because in the 57th minute, Joe Ironside then managed to get an equaliser. Again, a really, really strong goal, this one as well. A really, really incredible header from a corner. Sorry, just from across from the left flank. There was then, again, opportunities on both sides of of the pitch until finally in the 92nd minute, so two minutes into stoppage time, Crew managed to find the winner as O Riodan fired in from close range after a cross to the near post. Look, really good end-to-end game. It doesn't really surprise me too much with Doncaster at the minute. Doesn't even surprise me too much with Crew. But Crew were able to obviously get the victory, help them in their fight for playoffs and potentially automatics, and unfortunately kept Doncaster ruining their sort of misses and finding themselves still lower end of the table. But yeah, really, really great game of League Two football. Yeah, as you rightly said, it was what a game to end on because it was a proper end-to-end contest. It was a real, real great uh, watch. I, I guess, you know, if you were there watching it live, I bet it was a real funny, uh, entertaining game. Uh, obviously, if you were a Doncaster fan, probably not that entertaining because obviously your, your side lost. But look, um, Brandon, I'm going to chuck this one over to you because... Crew have been a kind of, I think, a bit of a dark horse. Not many people have them necessarily this high up the league. But do you potentially see that this fine run of form could push them on for automatics? Well, I think with Crew, it's very, very similar to the points I've raised with Barrow being a dark horse. They work so hard and they look like such a unit. They're not, there's no individuals going out and carrying that team. They just work so hard and they play for each other more than anything and togetherness in football goes such a long way and i feel that will carry crew to what they may go on to achieve this season i don't see as much sort of instinct and quality in the side as i do with their contenders primarily barrow and Notts county for them to really take that extra step into the automatics, but I think playoffs is certainly on for them. And you look at their record from behind, they've won so many points from behind. So one big talking point is they're obviously going down 1-0, 2-1, whatever, quite often. So is it a case of them complete mentality monsters or is it a case of teams will figure out how to close them down and you know, they might drop off a bit, but for now, all credit to crew, they've they are every bit of a dark horse. They're almost a formula for it in the same way that Barrow are. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm gonna chuck you another quick question then. One of them, crew or barrow for automatics, which team? Barrow. 
Barrow, okay. I, I, I've got to say, I, I, I would agree with you on that one. But again, that's just because of my love affair with, with Pete Wilde. Uh, but Charlie, I'm going to chuck the last question over to you. You can round off the show. Uh, nice. No pressure. Question. No pressure <laughs> with this really nice, simple question. But look, Doncaster, uh, they've got Colchester on Tuesday uh, at home. Accrington then away and then Morecambe at home. Uh, look nine points available how many are they actually going to get look this is Doncaster so I am just going to simply say four points because they, that would kind of just be the way that their season is currently going I mean when you just look backwards in terms of their form loss win loss draw win loss win win loss win loss win win loss draw loss 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 draw win it's so, so inconsistent. They've clearly got quality in that team because they're able to score some really nice goals and play some really nice football against any team in the division. But for whatever reason, they're not seeming to be able to string together any kind of a consistent run. So the way I see it, they'll get four points, they'll win one, they'll lose one, they'll draw one. Simple as that. <laughs> well, what a way to end the show there, guys. Obviously, that after that uh, that 3-2 win by Crew there, that leaves them in fourth and Doncaster are in 19th. And we have finally made it to the end of the show. Guys, what a show it's been. What a lovely, uh, lovely weekend of League Two football it was. There were some top games, some top shocks. And as always, though, we have enjoyed reviewing it. So from Charlie and from Brandon, we'd like to say goodbye and we will see you. It's the 90th minute and all your mates around watching your team on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share box on the go. And you know what? Your mate's already got booked for double dipping. But then, late on, you steal him, grab the last nugget, and snatch all three points. Perfect. Why not order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app? Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.